Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. Good morning. How are we doing today? Blessed. Blessed. That's good to hear. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with you. Uh, this is your first Sunday. My name is uh, Pastor Ben, and I'm one of the pastors here. It's a delight of mine to, to welcome you into church. It is good to be together. It's good to be with the family of God. Um, you know, we've been walking through the last, the last few weeks through, through a series in Daniel. And the last couple of weeks, the conversation has revolved around this simple statement, the, the, the riddle, the challenge, how to stand firm and love well in a culture of compromise. We are reminded through scripture that uh, we have been sent into this world, right? We're not of this world, but we're, we're a part of it for a time. This is not our home. But while we're here, our duty is to make Christ known, right? Our duty is to, is to share the gospel, to be transporters of the good news, right, of Christ. And so that is what we're called to do. But it's challenging because we live in a world that, A, doesn't know or doesn't see a problem, doesn't see maybe a need for a savior always. Um, and so how do we reveal the brokenness and, and, and lead people towards that, but then also do it in grace and love? Because... Um, you and I maybe both remember a time where we were not walking with the Lord and the Lord found us in our brokenness and he found us, even if you grew up in the church, um, the reality is there was a time where you just had to work out your stuff and the Lord revealed things to you, uh, sin nature and bents and, and, and things that you were drawn to that, that just have to, be, have to be flushed out and it's not by trying harder, right? It's by yielding over to the Spirit of God. And so in the first week, uh, Pastor Dave shared out of Daniel 1 and really kind of set this, set this scene of leading with grace, that, that lead with grace as you stand for truth. We have these two things that are, that are always in tension, grace and truth. And Jesus modeled for us so well what it looks like to lead with grace and to stand in truth. And, and, and so as he would, as he, in his ministry, as he would walk along and, and and, and meet people in their brokenness, right? It's, it's leading with grace and, and, and standing in truth means that the woman at the well, he, he invited her in to taste and see the good news and, and, and receive it and the grace that drew her. But, and, and Jesus says, come as you are, right? Don't stay as you are though. You leave changed. That's the whole point, right? And in our culture right now, and even in, in some of our churches, it's, it's come as you are and we'll affirm you as you are. And, and for us, it's come as you are, experience the life that God always had intended for you and leave changed, leave new, right? He's always doing a new thing. And so leave a new creation. Resist the devil, right? And he must flee. Don't believe the lies of the enemy, and so this balance of grace and truth as we, as we know our mission and we stay focused on it. And then last week, Pastor Justin spoke on Daniel 4, right? And then, and then Daniel 4, watch your praise is not tainted with pride. 
that, that, that we don't allow this thing that we do to become about ourselves, right? It's the thing that we have to resist even, even up here over the years, just resisting what it looks like to be a showman as a worship leader. I know for, for myself, it's, I, have, I, have no, um, I have no desire to do that. I like resist that, right? Resist that the pride that even when we're exceeding, succeeding um, and advancing for the sake of the kingdom, how do, we, how do we resist this puffed up sense of, I did that, I did that, right? Um, and, and stay focused on Christ. And so today we are gonna, we're gonna rewind a little bit and we're gonna be in Daniel 3. And so if you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to open those. If you have your uh, Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app, we have our notes in there. And we have a lot of text to go through. I'm not putting it all up on the screen. We're just gonna read out of, out of, uh, out of Daniel 3 and, uh, and, and just pray that the Lord would, would speak to us through that. But before we do that, let's go to him in prayer. Father, we come to you today just uh, grateful that we get to be together freely. Lord, the veil was torn from the top down. And Lord, for us not to come into your presence is a self-inflicted wound because you made a way for us. Lord, and so I pray that the words of my heart and the meditation of my mind and my heart would be pure in your eyes, Lord, and that as we speak and as we wrestle through challenging things, difficult things, Lord, would you give us the courage to do so in faith? Or would you give us the boldness to be a light to a world that desperately needs it? And we believe that the light that shines the furthest shines brightest at home right here in this house, Lord. And so we pray that this would be a reservoir of richness growing deeper in you so that we can go out into a world sharing the good news in grace and in truth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're in Daniel 3, and uh, this is the first passage that I've officially ever had to preach twice. I preached this passage last year around this season when we were talking about uh, uh, the uh, foundations and, and building blocks of our faith and spiritual disciplines and worship and share the story of Daniel 3. Um, but uh, today I believe the Lord's uh, using this passage to, to again continue to bring a word. It's amazing the word of God when you just continue to rotate it, it how he continues to reveal himself. And so, and, and it's just a good reminder for me that even a children's story that I learned when I was young and now I'm preaching on it, right? And how, how just the, the richness and the depth of his word and whatever season that I'm in and the things that he, that he reveals to me um, is, just, is just so beautiful. I appreciate his, his grace in this. But before we get into Daniel 3, let's go two verses ahead of this, okay? Because here's the thing. Daniel 1 starts off and uh, Nebuchadnezzar, this king, this, this tyrant king, right, is... is uh, is wanting Daniel to compromise some values and compromise some things. And Daniel says, right, hey, if you let me just like not have the dietary regulations that, that you have in your royal uh, house, but, but let me um, eat vegetables and let me do these things. Um, I, let, me, let me show you that my God is superior. He says, okay, that's fine. 
And then through a series of that, he, he, he earns favor with this tyrant king, right? And then in Daniel 2, he interprets uh, a dream that uh, Nebuchadnezzar has. And so things seem to be going well. In fact, in 48 of, of chapter 2, right before that, he says, then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts. And he made him ruler over the whole providence of Babylon and chief uh, prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel made requests, uh, requests to the king and appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, over the administration of the providence of Babylon while Daniel was at the king's court. And so he had favor with the king, right? And so then we turn to, we turn to, to, to chapter three and we don't know how much time has gone by. But um, we see that something has gone wrong in Nebuchadnezzar's life because the king made an image of gold. And so it goes on to describe it and, demand, and sent word to the, to the assemble of the, of the satraps and all the administrators and everybody. He says, hey, I've created this image of gold. Now this is what you're gonna worship. No longer the God of Daniel. That's just one of the many gods now. Um, but now he's kind of back to his old ways, right? He's, he's calling us to worship something else. And, and, and I, I would imagine those that, who had earned favor through the eyes of the Lord and, and Daniel and, and, and these three men, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They, they, were, um, they were put in a predicament, right? And so they were not going to bow down. Um, but they, so, so we read in here, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the king made an image of gold. He assembled the people. He said, hey, when you hear the sound of the horn blast, you, you bow down and worship. And so then the satraps, the prefects, the governors, all the people, and they assembled. When they heard it and they stood before the Lord, then, um, then the, the, the sound was loudly proclaimed. In verse four, herald, the herald loudly proclaimed, to, um, to you the command is given, O people, nations and men of every language that at the moment you hear the sound of, of the, the horn, the flute, the lyre, all these things, you bow down and worship. And whoever does not bow down and fall down before me will be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, at the time, all the people heard the sound and bowed down. So we see here Nebuchadnezzar's shift from honoring God, uh, Daniel's God, the one true God, to uh, a little g God in, in this, this, this idol. And he's wanting everyone else to come along, right? The, uh, the shifting sand of, of the foundation, right, of his life has changed. It's no longer built on, on God, Daniel's God, but it's on some, some other new foundation, some other new kind of... Uh, and I think we can relate to this sometimes. I, I was thinking about this today. And it's like, how often have we seen, um, if you've been a believer for any amount of time, um, I just think back of my own life. I've seen God move. I've seen him work. I've seen the power of prayer. I've seen all these things in my life. I've seen his hand in things. And for one reason or another, um, that fire that once was within my spirit kind of went down to a pilot light. And I begin to, to seek other affections and other things that fill the void that God wants filled. And we see the humanity of Nebuchadnezzar because I think that's what's happening here. He's just drifted. I don't think this happened overnight. I think he saw the goodness of God through Daniel and then through a series of events, he just took his eyes off the prize. And so here we have, and he's, and he's, he's making some damage when he's doing it. And so this is the, so then we get to verse eight. And for this reason, at a certain time, 
The Chaldeans came forward and brought charges against the Jews. They responded to Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar didn't really know anything about it. But here comes, here comes the, the, the tattletales, right? And they, they want to come and they want to say, hey, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, um, didn't you make the decree that whoever, whoever hears the sound that, that they need to fall down and worship, but whoever does not, they'll be put in a blazing fire? There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods or, other, or worship the golden image which you have set up. So here comes the cancel culture, right? Here they come, ready to just wreck someone's life because they've refused to bow down to the things of, of culture, the things of this king that's the tyrant of what he's wanting to do. He says, all right, the king was filled with rage and anger over the orders. He said, hey, bring me these men. Bring me Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these men were brought before the king and Nebuchadnezzar responded. And he said to them, is it true? Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? So here these men have one more chance, right? They have one more chance to, um, to bow down. It's like, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you one more chance and if you don't, you're going into the furnace. And so this takes us to verse 16 of today. You notice the insecurity of, of the tyrant king, right? The insecurity that someone might be resisting him. And so he feels like he needs to double down. He feels like he needs to um, uh, allow his, his, his force to be seen. He's going to use Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to make an example, as an example, that they do not, that no one resists this king. And so here these men are confronted with the reality of, of, of what's before them. They were not out rioting and looting and telling, and, and telling everyone and proclaiming that, that, uh, that people need to return or they're going back. They knew the, they knew the culture that they lived in. They humbly abided and they lived in, in, in who God is. And so here's the response. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to, to give you an answer concerning this matter. We don't need to defend ourselves before you. These men were not anxious, they were not troubled. And I want to say because of this, because they knew how to stand firm and their standing firm instilled resolve. They were not worried about what happened to them because they knew who they were and whose they were. Do you get that? That even though, even though the king was trying to tell them to bow down and to do something that they knew, um, they knew within themselves, they had already resolved, I know who my God is. And so I will not do that. They were steadfast. They knew who they were and whose they were. You know, back in Daniel 1, you know, this, these men have two names, right? So the, the king renamed these men. So it's, it's Daniel, right? And then it's Hananiah, Mishael, and, and Azariah. 
And in Daniel 1, I just want to back up to see how we even got here, because I think this is where, this is where the battle of being resolved for them, where they, were, where they, they decided, right? They, it is, I have decided that I will choose this, right? And it was out of their knowledge of who God is. You see, in Daniel 1, Nebuchadnezzar attempted to try to rename them. He attempted to try to redefine them. And there's so much power in a name, right? There's so much power in, 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 in what I believe about myself and my identity because your name indicates your identity, right? And so uh, my name is Benjamin, son, son of the right hand. I don't know how I've lived into that name, but I just, I just, I know what that name means. Um, and for these men, Daniel, the first one to be renamed, God is my judge. That's what his name means. What the king tried to do, Belteshazzar, lady protect the king. So Daniel knew who he was with God as his judge and what the king do. He, tried, he, gives, him, he gives him a girl name. Hananiah, Yahweh is gracious. He's loving. To Shadrach, I am fearful of God. So now Hananiah, this, this, this embodiment of who God is, Yahweh is gracious. The king tries to, to rename him so that way he sees himself as a tyrannical, that he, he, he serves a tyrannical God, not a loving and gracious one. Mishael, who can compare to my God? No one. Confident victor, right? I am victorious in God. This is who I am. To, to, to Meshach, I am despised and humiliated. humiliated. He turns a confident victor into a coward. That's the goal, right? By renaming these guys. Azariah, Yahweh has helped. God has, has a savior. Freedom is, is here in the name of God. To Abednego, servant or slave of a man. So he takes him from freedom to captivity. And I say that they stood firm. They were resolved in, in who they were. They didn't allow their new names to dictate who they were. They, they knew who had the right to name them, who had the right to claim them, and it was the God of the universe, not of, not of some man. We have such a, such a just, it devastates me, the, the identity crisis that we're in right now. Well, we don't know who we are. I remember in, man, I remember in middle school, guys, growing up's tough. I remember in middle school, um, I hated that I was skinny. I hated that I had red hair. I have some mad at God for it. I got made fun of for it. I was bullied for it. I was, I had demeaning nicknames because of it, because look at this unicorn. How rare, how rare this is. And as beautiful as I love the older ladies in my church that would just feel a need to come up and pet it because it was different. <laughs> it reminded me how different I was than everybody else. And all it did was reminded me of the abuse that I would see during the week and the challenges that I would face. And I allowed what other people said about me 
to be true and I, and I, and I, I gave away through my insecurities. Who am I? I don't know. God must have made junk. Because this is, I, I know I don't want to be like this. And it sucked, and I had to learn through that. I'm sorry, I don't think I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> but I'm thankful that I, that I allowed trusted voices in my life, that what the enemy meant for destruction and the lies that he wanted me to believe, that, that someone else was in my life to speak into and to not affirm these things about me and to remind me of the child of God that I am and where my identity comes from and who my creator is. And I think of the kids today and the challenges that so many face. And we're dealing with this identity crisis and now it's, it's, it's this idea that boys can be girls and girls can be boys, right? And it just devastates me. Because I walk through this identity crisis myself. And I don't know where I would be if someone just affirmed all my insecurities. I had someone in my life, I had parents in my life, I said, nope, that's not who you are. I had, I had, I had you know, we dedicate children up here, right? We've done it the last two weeks. You know why I'm serious about this and want to do it 30 times this year instead of one, one big event? Because I want to remind you, ever before you, that you are the spiritual mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers of these kids, of one another, that the enemy is going to come, prowls around like a lion, right? Seeking to destroy. And we're called to stand firm. Humbly stand firm. Standing firm only comes when we're resolved in whose we are. And who we, who we belong to, to, to the king of the universe. So guess what? I laugh and joke about everything about, I don't care. It's fun. I've worked through that. And I think, I think we, all have, we all have our insecurities, right? I pray to God that no one is, is, is affirming those in your life. A couple statements I wanted to remind you of today. You are a unique purpose. There are, you have a unique purpose for your life that no one else has ever had and no one else will ever have. You have it. It's yours. Don't try to be someone else. You are a co-heir with Christ, adopted into the family of God, your royalty. You are granted eternal life with him in heaven. This is who you are, a son and daughter of the king that you would receive Christ, this is your inheritance. A prized possession, you're valued. That God does not make junk. You are not junk, you are not a mistake. He didn't mess anything up. God is not capable of that. You are an image bearer of God, the Imago Dei. He loves you enough to create you man and woman alike. Mankind, he created them in his image, it says. You are an image bearer. You're not junk. 
He has created you and called you for his purpose, not your own. I think we mess our lives up when we try to figure out our own purpose rather than falling into his purpose. We don't have, the, 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 we don't have to define ourselves. God does that for us, right? That's why I've told you about our family motto at home. It is, is because of, I, just of what I've come from. Not what I do, I'm not what I have, I'm not what people say about me. I'm the beloved of God, it's who I am, right? I don't have to hurry, I don't have to worry. I can trust my friend Jesus and share his love with the world. My kids know that. Three and five year old, they know that. Speaking identity into their lives, who they are, whose they are in Christ. Every single time they hear it, they're reminded. Because I know a day will come when my influence will go and their friends and cultures and everything else will be here. Resolve says it is settled. Standing firm instills resolve. Knowing who you are and whose you are says it's settled. I know who I am. I know my creator. All of these things. The number one goal of the enemy is to get you to believe lies. He'll tell you 95% of a truth and 5% of a lie. He's sly, he's crafty, he's cunning. He wants you to believe it. It's a slippery slope, right? And then you believe something else. And it feels good. So it feels like you're, it feels good, right? But it's not of the spirit. So these men were resolved in knowing who they are and move on. I got so much to go through. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from it. Your majesty, these men had faith. Standing firm strengthens our faith, right? He doesn't always do it in our time or our way, whether it be life or death. They had faith. They knew that, that they would be delivered from the hands of the enemy, whether it be life or de- by death. They didn't know that, that someone was gonna come in and deliver them out of that. They just were resolved in knowing who they were, right? And what God says they were and... And their faith was a response to that, right? It's kind of like a down arrow and up arrow. God tells me who I am. I respond in faith. I don't always get it my way, but it's, 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 it's how it is. And then I learned that there's freedom in that. And faith is not this feeble victim response. It's this, it's this response of the victor, right? Right, so often we, we think of faith being this like, this like meek, like weak, you know, attribute or whatever. These men were not weak. These men were strong in their faith. Standing firm strengthens their faith. And we move on. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the image of gold he has set up. Even if he does not, we will not. Standing firm sometimes requires, demands courage. That if you're a believer for long enough, at some point, there will come a time where there's resistance, right? We're in a world, we, we're, we're a resistance from the very world we were sent to share the good news to, right? And that's okay. That's just the reality. 
but it demands courage. And I just wanna briefly talk through a few different types of courage because I think we, we think of just like the, you know, the, the low hanging fruit here is, is our physical courage. The courage to risk bodily harm or death, right? This is, this is, this is the, 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 I don't have to explain this to you. You understand this, but there's, there's many different types of courage. I actually ran across this, like, this, this uh, article for teachers and, and different types of courage. And I'm like, this is profoundly like, this is the heart of God here. And so wanted to just, just use that as an outline to talk about some different courages today, moral courage, right? This is the other type of courage, the courage to stand up and speak out for one's beliefs in the face of opposition. I'm gonna tell you what, we've got, we speak out against injustices, right? Um, issue one's on the ballot. Starting next week, you know, our, I don't know if you know this, our, 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 our church has, a, our, our denomination has an official um, position on life. And, um, and so we're gonna, in the next days to come, we're gonna begin, we're gonna begin sharing you, with you and handing out literature on, on issue one right now and an opportunity to, for, for moral courage to take place where we, we, we realize the, that taking a life was never the intent of God. And this is one of those opportunities that we have a chance to speak into preserving life. Moral courage is an outward expression of values and core beliefs. And the resulting actions are focused on the greater good. True moral courage doesn't take into account which side of the aisle anybody's on. We're talking about some challenging things. We'll get into those. Intellectual courage. The courage to stand, to act on new leanings and understanding and new insights. And it's so cool to see how through the advance of, of science, right? Something that God created how, how, we can, how we can see, um, stick on this the issue one. We're further emboldened intellectually in knowing that we can see a human life in the womb, right? That, that how early on a heartbeat starts and how, how life is, is formed at conception and, and only God could have done that and how beautiful it is. And, 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 and this, this intellectual courage is, 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 is the, the ability to, to speak up on those things. It's to converse on things. It's a, it's a challenge. I love the, the intellectual courage that it takes in, in, in Bible studies when, you know, we have a lot of life groups right now that, are, that have really wrestled with, with some, of these, some of these things right now, some of these, um, the series that we're going through and what are the things that, uh, um, you know, that we thought were huge deals but aren't such a big deal and what are the things that we didn't think were big deals that, that are a huge deal and how do we wrestle with that and how do we navigate that? And as the believer, the the, the the mark of, of, of spiritual maturity is the ability to converse of, without, without storming out of the room, right? And praying and seeking the Lord together and being one and being united. And, and it's, it's intellectually working through these issues, but also allowing the Lord, the spirit to prompt us and to guide us and to shape us. Discipline courage, the courage to stay focused in the face of distractions or opposition. You know, for me, I never want to be a reactive pastor. I always want to be 
a, a thoughtful, responsive pastor. Um, this series, I've wanted, to, I've wanted to have this conversation for probably 12 months. And disciplined courage says there's a time to speak and there's a time to just continue to do and to stay the course. And it is not my job, nor is it God's d- desire for me to stand up here and tell you every exhausted do and don't. That's what the law tried to do, right? Try to say, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. I must be disciplined to stay the course and saying, this is the heart of Christ. This is the heart of the Father. This is who God is. This is what he says about you. You know, these three men, they weren't against the king, they were for God, right? We want to be for things, not against things. And, and it means seemingly being against certain things if we're for other things, right? But our heart posture, you know, next, next week, along with, along with this initiative that's on, on the ballot, we're also going to have, um, we're also going to, sh- to share information about what we're doing with uh, and, and bring the Women's Resource Center, the CPC. And, and they're going to be out there in the lobby too of saying it's not that we're just against an issue, but we're for this lifestyle, we're for life, we're for this way, and this is the way, and, and how beautiful and how redemptive it is and, and how we come alongside mothers, especially when they're scared or weak or, or just not knowing what's next, and how we come alongside and walk alongside them, encourage them through this. Because that's the heart of Jesus. It's not just to talk about this stuff when we can cast a vote on it, but it's really to just allow this to be a lifestyle There's a lot of complex issues out there. Romans 12, 21 says, do not be overcome by evil though, but overcome evil with good. Our purpose in life is not to resist. It's not to push back. It's not to yell or shout or scream. Our, our purpose is to be image bearers, to carry the light of Christ in all things. The last thing is empathetic courage. This is the courage to open up and to feel deeply for the circumstances with others. I, 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 believe, I believe some men need this. I believe we, we don't mind um, leading big teams and businesses and, and, and challenging circumstances and we'll run into whatever issue that we face, but I'm scared to death to, to look my, wi- my wife in the eyes and say, honey, what's on your mind? What's, what are you working? Or, or, or an employee of ours and say, hey, how you, how you doing? Where's your heart at? How can I, what are you dealing with right now? You know, we have the physical courage. We have all these other courages that we need, but we, we lack the empathetic courage to say, how are you doing? But standing firm, standing in Christ, demands courage at times. This courage is grounded in the hope that we have in Christ, not ourselves. The last thing, the rest of of Daniel 3 talks about the king's response when they were rescued from the furnace, when... um, 
path and there was someone in the fire, Jesus, an angel, who rescued them. And standing firm inspires others because once again, Nebuchadnezzar turned his affections away from the things of this world to God, to the God of, of these men. And I want to remind you that standing firm inspires others. It's so fun to hear the stories of you recently and just the, the, just, uh, the conversations at work and, the, and praying for coworkers and, and some of the things that, that you've shared with me over this last year that have happened just as we've been emboldened in our faith and keeping our eyes fixed on the prize. And when we stand in worship, right, we inspire others. And when we, when we raise our hands and when we speak out and when we testify to what God's done, we inspire others, right? That's why it's so important to be together because if you're alone, you're left with your own devices. It's easy to just sink into your own thoughts, but when we're together, we inspire, we encourage one another and we lead others who don't yet know Christ. Just saving a relationship with Christ, we give him the means to do that. And so how do we stand firm? How do we stand up in a bow down culture? The team can come forward. As I wrap up today, I just wanna encourage you today that we're resolved on God's word. I have decided to follow Jesus I stand on the promises of Christ. I know this. We're transformed. We allow the word of God to transform our mind, to transform our way of thinking. Faith and worship. We know worship instills faith. Do you give him your first? See, I think that's what happened with, with Nebuchadnezzar. That's why he, that's how, why he went off course. I think he knew at one time the God of Daniel and these men. But whether it's pride or other selfish ambition, he didn't seek first God. He sought first other things, other luxuries, other new ways of thinking, other pathways. I'm here to remind you that faith in worship is what prepares us to be courageous when we're confronted, to be courageous when it's asked of us. These men didn't go out looking for trouble, but when it found them, they stood firm in Christ, right? And the life of holiness is what allows us to stand firm. We have the courage for holiness, for a lifestyle to be set apart because of what we know about God, because of who we are, whose we are, we respond in faith, say, okay, you and you alone are my priority. Everything else is a byproduct of life, a goodness of life, right? All the things that, that, that come from it, the many benefits, whether they be physical or, or, or what have you, whatever I get from the Lord, I just know my affections are in him. And this is how he's called me to be and to live. And so I yield, there's rest in that. I love Psalm 131 today. There's rest in who we are, right? Like a weaned child against its mother, there's rest and comfort and knowing. Doesn't mean it's always easy and there's never pain, but we can be courageous because we know whose we are.
And also we can inspire for change. It's another way of saying we sow seed, we share the gospel, we make disciples, the kingdom of God gets bigger. There's not a plan B, like, like the church is God's, God's intent, right? Like that is, we are the hands and feet. Christ is our head, we stay unified, we stay focused, disciplined, eyes on the prize. And now, but guess what? We're little ambassadors, right? Our, our temple, our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, not just our mind, not just our emotions, not just our thoughts, our entire being is a temple. And so we have 500 temples sent out ambassadors for Christ to inspire others, to call others, to say, hey, come, let me share you. And we, we do all of this. We stand firm and love well and courage. You stand today. My one prayer is to, to speak clearly today. And I just pray that I have. I repent if I've caused confusion or frustration, if I've said something that the Lord would not have me say. If anything I've said today causes you to want to have a conversation, write the email today, send it tomorrow. Don't write it today. Or don't send it today. Just give me a few hours to just like sit with the Lord. But I believe there's moments when we just need to speak clearly about things. So Father, we come before you. First and foremost, we, we remember who we are and whose we are that we're not conformed to the patterns of this world, but we're transformed. Our whole self, our whole body is transformed by the renewing of our mind and the renewing of our heart. Lord, that we were wretched and lost and broken and, and despicable. But the one who created us, named us and claimed us for his own. And so you're calling us to respond in faith and then to courageously live out all that we are in you, calling sons and daughters back to him. So Lord, help us to always remember first and foremost, where our identity comes from, it comes from you. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, beautifully knit together with a purpose, a plan where your workmanship and you created us with an expressed plan and purpose that no one else has ever had and no one else will ever again have. A unique design, a creative design, the manifestation, the Imago Dei. We are image bearers of you and you alone. May we stand on your word. May we stand in faith, stand courageous, stand to inspire others, God, we pray. These things in Jesus' name people of God say amen. Amen. Come on, let's sing as we leave today. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? 
I was lost, but he brought me Oh, his love for me Oh, his love for me Who the Son sets free Oh, is free indeed I'm a child of God Yes, I am. Free at last, He has ransomed me. His grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, He died for me. Through the sunset free. for like eight weeks in a row last year? 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, 24. You know, it's all about a sanctified life, growing in Christ's likeness. And when we focus on Him, we become more like Him. Let's read this together as we go. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's his, not ours. Come on. Let's, hey, go in peace today. Have a great Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. 
For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.